in this series, uh, Hope Rises, and uh, I am glad that you're here. Uh, first and foremost, good morning. My name is Efren Peña. I am uh, the campus pastor here at Southfield Santa Clarita. It is my privilege and honor uh, to be standing here in front of you all, sharing this incredible uh, space, this love, uh, the, the Word of God. As always, we have delicious Yummy uh, coffee out there. It's always fresh. The donut holes. We've we've made it. You know what? Like, I don't know if you've noticed that some of you who've, who've evolved have been around here for the. We've been evolving with our donut holes. They were in a cup, then they weren't in a cup, then they went to a napkin, and now they're on a on a pincho, right? They're on a stick. We're just trying to make it easier because I see some of you licking those fingers. We're just you know trying to keep it kosher. So now you just bite. And get it off that stick. So we have plenty of that going around. And uh, it's always fun to introduce yourselves to an incredible group of people that we actually call amazing here at Southfields. And so welcome, welcome, welcome. On Easter Sunday, we kicked off a brand new series titled Hope Rises. Now, everyone, everyone likes the idea of hope, right? But what happens, what happens when the floor falls out from under us? And we find ourselves feeling broken. We find ourselves feeling abandoned and maybe even forgotten. Sometimes in life, we, we, we experience a suffering that doesn't even have a purpose. We cannot find the purpose of why we're going through the struggle, why we're having a hard time in life. So what do we do? What do we do when we believe, but we're also wrestling with unbelief? What happens then? Where do we go from there? How do we answer those questions? Can hope rise up in the midst of our pain? Can hope rise up in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our chaos and confusion? We're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. And so this morning's message is titled, Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And this is a common question for all of us here. Why is this happening? And I'll start off with, with, with just some, some thought here, something to, to get your mind thinking. Do you ever recall a time when you experienced something frustrating, absolutely frustrating, and there was just no resolution or reason for it? Something you went through in life that was just like, ah, I don't know how it got to this point. I don't even know how to get out of it, right? I don't even know how to get out of it. That happened to me in life. In my transition from New York to California, I hit a moment in my life where it all came to a standstill. It all came to a halt. I was so frustrated at life. I was so angry at life. And I did not know how it happened. And I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't find a way to get out, to bring a resolution to my current. I'm a solutions guy. You can give me all the problems. I'm going to sit there. And just this morning, my wife, she vented. Husbands, you know where I'm going with this, right? She decided to tell me what was on her mind, right? And immediately, my mom was like, okay. 
got an answer for you. She said, I didn't ask you for an answer. I just wanted a vent. Oh, okay. I went back to my little desk. I'm sorry you're going through that, honey. But my mind works with trying to find resolutions, trying to find solutions for things. And at that point in my life, in 2001, I did not have a solution for my life. We all have those moments in our lives that don't seem to have a purpose, that there is no real reason to why it happened. While some of these are easy to move past, there are other experiences in life that aren't as easy to explain. Maybe it's a betrayal of a friend or a family member. Maybe it's being laid off without any warning. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe a terminal diagnosis. This is the tension of the world, isn't it? This is the tension of of what's going on in life, the realness of what we experience. Days can be simultaneously filled with highs and lows, joy and pain. We have these experiences, right, that leave us asking and sometimes shouting, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? What do you do when it feels like everything is failing? What do you do when everything, when it feels like everything that's happening in your world seems like it's falling apart? And God seems to be MIA, nowhere to be found. Why do bad things happen to good people? If God loves all people, then why does he allow evil to continue? See, those are the questions we ask ourselves. Those are the questions we keep repeating in our head. Maybe we don't verbalize it to someone near us, right? Because they're going to question, what kind of, I thought you were a believer, right? But those are the real questions that are deep down inside of us. We're trying to figure out why does this happen to us? Friends, The truth of the matter is that we aren't the only ones that wrestle with these questions. This has been something that people have wrestled with for thousands and thousands of years. And I want to give you a warning this morning, all right? And I want to give you a warning this morning. This message does not and cannot answer all of the questions you have. Just being transparent here. This morning's message cannot answer. And probably will not answer all of the questions that you have here this morning. This is not the wherewithal. I think we all intuitively know that there are no easy answers to these questions of pain and suffering and loss. Sometimes, sometimes I can preach a powerful and honest sermon that ends up with a nice bow in it. Kind of like a sitcom. It, it answers the questions and gives clear next steps. And that's a good thing. You leave here like, yes, I got it. I had a question. There's things I didn't understand. Pastor E, Pastor E answered it. Man, I got it together. I'm going to go apply it. Because that's what we want to do. We want to provide you practical, applicable messages that leave you here going, aha, I get it. And that's all great. But not every message will do that. Not every sermon will prepare you for that. It's equally important for us to preach powerful and honest sermons that don't answer all the questions. Because truth is, they can't all be answered. Sometimes it feels more like you're living in the middle of the season of Game of Thrones. Right? And and, and you just need to know know that, that we get it. That you're not in it alone. That we're with you. And that is why we pray. 
We, we don't pray so that, 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 I, that I have the answer for what you're going through. We pray so that God provides answers. And that God sees the situation that you're in. In the Old Testament, there's a small book written by a man named Habakkuk. A lot of K's in that name, right? Habakkuk was a minor prophet who lived during the last years before Israel forced into exile out of their kingdom. The glory days were crumbling around them at this point. And while most prophets spoke to people on behalf of God, Habakkuk spoke to God on behalf of the people because he didn't like, he didn't like what God was doing. Habakkuk cried out. He cried out to or really at God because he saw pain. He saw suffering. He saw evil that was transpiring at this time and injustice everywhere he looked. So he decided it was his responsibility to talk at God. 2,600 years ago, Habakkuk was asking the same exact questions that so many of us are asking today in 2019. Why did you allow this, God? Why is this happening, God? Can't you do something, God? Can't you step in? Can't you intervene what we're going through? Those are the questions we're asking today. And Habakkuk was asking the same exact questions back then. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. We're going to be in the book of Habakkuk. We're going to quickly go through some scriptures here. And give you a little bit about the story of this minor prophet. We're going to start with chapter 1, verse 2. And he is speaking, right? He is speaking to God. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not, listen, violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must destruction, why, what, excuse me, why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am summit, surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law, verse 4, the law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous. So that justice has become perverted. Hello, welcome to 2019. Right? So Habakkuk has the very same problems with God that some of us have as well. Listen, it's, it's, either, it's either ouch or amen, you're going to tell the truth, because those are the questions we are bringing up to God. You don't really seem to care, God. You don't really seem to care. Why do you allow all of this pain and this suffering? Why aren't things, or why aren't you doing things better? Why, why can't you fix it, God? It's not fair. Ever been there? Ever done that? Right? Yeah, you have. Let's, let's just have a moment of honesty and transparency this morning since we're in church and whatnot, right? Right? Have you ever felt like, like if you were God, you would do things differently? Come on, tell the truth. Raise your, I gotta say your hands. I gotta say, tell the truth. Some of you are lying in church, right? Some of us felt like if, if, if I was God, I would do this differently. I will handle this situation differently. And you know why I know you're not telling the truth? Because there are situations that you're going through personally, right, that you would say, I need this fixed right now. 
I need to do it this fit. And I, I need to fix. Not only do I need to fix, I need to fix my way. Right? And that's how we react. That's how we think. That's how, we're human. We're human. Right? Which leads us to this next question. Is it even okay to ever question God? Huh. Bet you didn't think about that one. I want to tell you this morning, absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Definitively yes. It is okay to question God. You see, because if you ever find yourself questioning God, then, then Habakkuk is your BFF. He's your best friend. Here's a minor prophet who was questioning God. Here's a minor prophet who was asking God, hey, what gives? Why, why, I, gotta, why I gotta be like this? Why can't you do something? Why can't you fix it? Why can't you step in? One of the best things about Habakkuk is that he is totally honest about how and what he feels. Sometimes us church folks, if you're not a church folk, you're not included in this. Sorry, we're excluding you from this. But sometimes us church folks give God the censored version of our prayers. But not Habakkuk. He was more like a little bit more PG-17, right? His name clearly tells us who he is. The name of Habakkuk means two things, to embrace and to wrestle. To embrace and to wrestle. He's doing everything he can to embrace who he knows God to be, but he's also wrestling with these aspects of what he's experiencing that don't line up, that don't line up with what he believes. So on one hand, he wants to love on God and everything that God is. And on the other hand, he has like, God, why is this happening? Why, are we, why is this struggle? You, you're God. You're, you're the creator of heaven and earth and everything is great and awesome. But man, this, this is not happening. This can't be real. This is not good. Embrace and wrestle, church. Embrace and wrestle. Now, God, if you've read the story before, you, you, know, you'll, you know what happens next. But God does respond, respond to him. And we're going to get there in a moment. His response is, well, you'll see. Because it's really, really cool. Different, but cool. I, I want to take a step back. I want you to take a step back and reflect with me a bit because so many people wrestle with the question of why is there pain and suffering in this world? Maybe you yourself have asked that same question or are asking that same question today. I'm going I'm to I'm 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 pause. I'm going to call a timeout right here, right? I'll tell you a funny story because some of you are like, the necks are snapping to the side. Uh, here, my wife, we went to the movies this weekend. Yeah, you know, you know, went to the movies this weekend. My wife took me to the movies. And we got an Avengers Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we didn't go to the Avengers. We went to see a Christian movie called Breakthrough. Incredible movie, by the way, that speaks to the same exact thing that we're speaking about this month. I want to encourage you to go see it. I was crying like this. <laughs> I cry for everything. I'm an emotional Puerto Rican, right? And I say this simply because it addresses 
The whole storyline is someone, something bad happened to someone. And I'll leave it at that so you can go see it. Incredible movie that speaks about hope. But all of us, all of us ask the question, why is there pain and suffering in this world? And I think it's super important for us to understand that the brokenness we see around us was not God's original plan. I think it's important for all of us to to understand that, to grasp onto that. The pain and the suffering, the brokenness that we are seeing in this world today was not part of God's original plan. It was never God's intention for things to be this way. In the creation story, from the very beginning, it tells us that God created the world to be perfect, peaceful, and a loving place. He wanted to be in a relationship with humanity. And any true relationship, right, is centered around love. God could have created a world in which nothing, not, nothing evil could have happened, right? He could have done that. But this world would not have been capable of love. He could have programmed us to say loving things and act in loving ways. But that wouldn't be genuine love, would it? Church, love can only be real if it is freely chosen. It can only be real if it is freely chosen. But because love must be freely chosen, it also creates the possibility for people to choose something different. And something different is evil. Our selfish, evil, or broken choices affect our relationships with God and others in physical, emotional, and relational ways. That's just the reality of it. However, God has been pursuing us since the very beginning with a plan to restore, with a plan to redeem, with a plan to to take in the world and love it and bring it back to its original state. We see glimpses of that from time to time when, when we see healing take place, when we see people full of hope, when we see freedom and, and miracles take place and light defeating darkness. But that does not negate the fact that there are still experiences of brokenness happening today. But I think it's also important to know that it's really not def- it's not definitely It's definitely not God's desire and never was his plan for us to experience this kind of brokenness. That wasn't his intention. Here's the craziest part of Habakkuk's story, and maybe some of you can resonate with this. The way that God responds to him actually creates more questions. Has God ever answered some of your questions and actually you left there like, Oh, that just gave me a whole list of more questions for God because that didn't provide a a, a definite answer. That didn't didn't provide a resolution. It just created more questions. So let's read verse 5. Verse 5 says, the Lord replied. Now listen to what the Lord says. Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even, even if someone told you about it. And I can see how good, like, oh, yes, you're doing something. You're doing something. That's awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. But, but, but what is it? What's going to happen? Where, what are you going to do, God? What, what, what's going what's to take place? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? Are you going to fix that? Are you going to take care of this? Habakkuk is like, where do I go? What's going to happen? I'm excited. I'm excited. God says, you're going to be amazed. You're going to, you won't even believe what's going to happen. It's going to drop you off your feet, right? 
Let's go to verse 6. This is what he says in verse 6. I am raising up the Babylonians. For what? A cruel and violent people, huh? They will march across the world and conquer other lands. Wait a minute. That's not what I'm asking for. That's not, a, that's not an answer. Things aren't getting better. That's not going to fix my problems today. Isn't God against violence and injustice? What's going on in here? Isn't he for us, not against us? I mean, we're his people, aren't we? Whose team is he on anyway? I'm not amazed, God. I'm not. I'm not amazed at this. Habakkuk is totally confused at this moment. He is saddened. He is frustrated. He has tons of questions. And so he continues to embrace and wrestle. Embrace and wrestle with God. One thing I want to hold on, I want you to hold on to this morning. And that's the fact that it's okay. It's okay to be like and should we should be like Habakkuk, both embracing and wrestling with God. It's okay for us to do that, church. It's okay to embrace and wrestle with God. It's okay to question things that don't make sense and to be totally honest with our feelings with God. The truth of the matter is he knows it. He knows it already. He knows if, you say, if you're, it's okay, God, if you're lying or not. He knows that inside, deep down inside, you do have doubt. You do have questions. You do have things that don't line up. Church, God is capable of handling. He's strong enough to handle your questions. He is capable of handling your doubts. We aren't supposed to be okay with pain. We aren't supposed to be okay with, okay with suffering and brokenness. It was never supposed to be like this, church. Every one of us lives in this tension between wrestling and embracing, embracing and wrestling, faith and doubt, doubt and faith. Every single one of us experiences this. Many of us make the mistake of believing that our faith is as only as strong as it is free of doubt. Do you know what I mean by that? Some of us feel like, oh, it, 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 my, my faith comes to question whenever I have a doubt. I want to tell you this morning, that's not right. That's not right. But the faith we see in the Bible doesn't equate to the strength of a person's faith with their level of psychological certainty, right? The depth, Gregory Boyd says, the depth of a person's faith in God is sometimes reflected in their willingness to authentically wrestle with him. Your faith allows you to question the things or the answers that God has for you. It's not saying he's wrong. It's not saying, oh, God, you're wrong in this. It's saying, Lord, why? Why does this happen this way? And you have every right to ask that question. It is a part of your faith to embrace and to wrestle. In other words, we can wrestle with honest questions to embrace a real faith. While you embrace, you're actually building up your faith. Why? Because you're, you believe strong enough in him to even ask the question. All throughout scripture, people's confidence in their relationship with God is solid enough to handle their, is solid enough to handle their complaints, to handle their confusions, and even their accusations. Point in case, Abraham doubts God's promises, right? 
Moses argue, argues with God's decisions. J, uh, Job accuses God of being unfair. David accuses God of abandoning him. Jeremiah questioned God's great uh, goodness. Even Jesus, even Jesus begged God for a different way than, uh, than the cross, right? And he cried out in anguish and God that God had forsaken him. Church, I want you to understand that you cannot have intimacy with God without being honest. You cannot have intimacy without honesty in your relationship with God. You just can't. If we truly want a close relationship with Jesus, we're going to have to be honest with him. Stop pretending. Stop pretending. Two thousand fifteen, leading into two thousand sixteen, I was like Habakkuk. I had a wrestle, had a MMA fight with God. I'm alive today, thank you, Jesus. But I had a fight with God. I had a wrestling match with God because I had so many questions and I could not understand what was next for my ministry, for my wife and I, for my family. And I had these real hard questions for God. And I asked God, God, I want you to pity pat around them. I want you to answer me straightforward. If this is all that you have for me in my ministry, then so be it. I'm going to take it like a champ or a chump. Either way, I'm going to take it. But I need you to answer me if this is all you have for me. And I came out in April or February to a conference called Catalyst out here. And I went to the conference asking, seeking God for questions. It was a leadership conference. About the second or third, second day in there, or maybe it was the first day in there, I got a text from Moses. Hey, he said, hey, are you here? A catalyst. And I said, oh, that's strange. Yeah, I'm here. He goes, let's catch up and do some coffee. Grab some coffee. And I said, in my mind, I don't drink coffee. Buy me a cheeseburger, I'll be there. <laughs> right? And said, yeah, 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 let's meet up. I had not seen Moses since I left to Puerto Rico uh, in 2010. We had done ministry school together. We clicked. He went one way, and I went to, I went to Puerto Rico, and he went to another big church. And he came and said, hey, let's hook up. And we hooked up. I'm going to fast forward this story. We hooked up, and he sat there, and he began to tell me all that God was doing in his life. He began to know that he had moved from one church to back to South Hills, had this new position. He was getting all this stuff ready. He was wanting to do, he was sharing his heart. And, he, and deep down inside, I'm sitting on the other side, not drinking coffee. Coffee stinks, by the way. That's my opinion, right? He's drinking coffee and he's sharing it with me. And I'm, and I'm in, not, to his face, not verbally, I'm calling him a jerk. Sorry, bro. Sorry. Sorry. I'll tell you why. The reason I'm calling him a jerk is because he is answering God answered everything that I had, the questions I had, he answered for him. It was the same exact questions that I had. And he's telling me what he's doing and all this great stuff is happening. And I'm like, you jerk. Not God, him. Right? I was like, I can't believe this. Here I am. I just had this six months like debate with God and wrestling with God. Hey, what, what gives? Why is this happening? What, is this all you have for me? You know, and, 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 and so we left. Right? And then he, he came back and, and said, Man, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. Would you want to be part of South Hills campus? I was like, oh, shoot. Say that again. He said, would you want to be part? This is what I'm doing. I want, to be, I want you to be the first 
church acquisition retail, our first global campus. I'm like, you're joking. Like, this is not real, right? But I had that moment, and that was the very beginning. That opened up the pathway for Monica and I and for our campus in Puerto Rico to be a part of South Hills. And God began to answer. And what I want, the whole point of it is that I wrestled with God. I had tons of questions with God. And it took us a while, but he eventually replied. There's another example I want to look at as someone who embraced and wrestled with God. Someone who, like us, was caught in between the reality of trusting God and also struggling to trust. One day as Jesus was traveling, a man came to him. His son had been possessed by a demon, or he was demonized, right? And it was causing him to have seizures and hurt himself even more. Mark chapter 9, we're going to quickly read through this. The King James Version, the New King James Version. I don't ever really preach from the New King's Version, so, but, but uh, it, this is how it's going to work for us this morning. Verse 22 says, And often he, was, he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So they're asking in favor of this, this person that is having these seizures. And Jesus said to him in verse 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears in his eyes, he said, Lord, I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Church, We've all felt like this at some point or another, right? Just like Habakkuk, just like his father, like this father, we often find ourselves in a place of crying out to God, Lord, I believe, I believe, but please help my unbelief. Please help my unbelief. I believe that you are loving, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling to the line, right, that, 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 that this is happening. I cannot see this. I believe that you're powerful, but you haven't stepped in yet, God. I believe that you saved me, but why am I still struggling with this, with this problem? Church, it's super important for us to know that Jesus happily responded to this man who was stuck between belief and unbelief. And the same is true for us today. He responded to me when I was stuck between my belief and my unbelief. He, he responded to Habakkuk. He responded to this father. And he's responding to us today. It's okay to be in between faith and doubt, questions and answers, belief and unbelief. It doesn't make you a bad Christian. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make you angry at God. It makes you human. It makes you honest. And it means that you're committed to this relationship with God. And you're not walking away with it like a kid with a tantrum. Hear me out. The first step in getting an answer is to ask the the question. You want answers from God? Then ask the questions. Honestly, Tell God, give God your questions. Give God your frustrations. Give God your fears. The answer may not come as quickly as you'd like or be exactly what you had hoped for, but God wants us to ask. Some of you experienced this kind of pain, this kind of loss, frustration in the past. Some of you are experiencing it right now at this moment. Today, I want you to have the freedom to cry out to God, I believe, help me with my unbelief. I have something to give you this morning. 
The ushers will pass it out to you. No, it's not money. No, it's not an answer to your, your prayers that you have for God. But it is a reminder. It is a reminder for you to put it on your bathroom mirror, maybe on your computer desk screen. And it's just a reminder that says, I believe, but help my unbelief, God. I believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm embracing what I know to be true, God, but I'm wrestling with the things that don't make sense at this moment. I want you to, church, I want you to have the confidence that God is still in it with you, that he's still in the trenches with you, that regardless of what you're going through, God has not abandoned you. And it's okay to question it. He is there and he will provide an answer. I'm going to wrap this up here. There's a statement, right, that I've heard many times before, and maybe you've heard it as well, that says, God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody heard that? Yeah? While people mean well, that's not true. God often allows us to go through more than we can handle because, because it causes us to depend on him a little bit more. It causes us to lean into him a little bit more. It causes us to rely on the creator of heaven and earth and everything in it rather than our own power, own strength. That's why we often talk about how important it is to stay connected to community even when it hurts. Stay connected to the church even when things are not going your way. Stay connected to people that have a relationship with Christ. Get connected in a growth group. Get connected in a discover class. Get connected to the things that happen in and around our church. Because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what kind of answer God is going to provide when you're going out for a cup of coffee with an old friend. You never know what God is going to do in a growth group where they laugh and cry and share their stories together. You never know what God is going to reveal in a discover class as you're learning about the church and about God and your relationship with him. You see, God answered prayers many, many years ago. And God is still answering prayers today. So I want to encourage you. Embrace and wrestle. Embrace wrestle belief and unbelief you're not any better or any worse than anyone else in this room may this week may your prayers be filled with Lord I believe but help my unbelief